for you and, and for me, actually. What if what I want for my life and what God wants for my life are different? Ah, weird question, isn't it? What if what I want for my life and what God wants for my life are different? Now, who's going to win that one? And, and, and we could kind of laugh, but this great thing about God is actually he does give us a whole lot of freedom in this. And so maybe not the question should be who's going to win that one. is going to be how's your life going to go if what you want out of life and what God wants out of your life are different? And the answer is probably not so great. Isn't it true? I'm not so great. If God wants me to be doing this and this and this and this, and I'm doing this and this and this and this, most likely how my life is going to be and turn out and even feel is not going to be all oh so great. And we're going to spend a few minutes talking about that kind of a situation because we'll be looking at the story of a guy named Jonah. Jonah <coughs> wanted his life to go this way, and God said, I really want your life to go that way. And we're going to see how he worked it out because in this sense, in this case, a lot of times our will, our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions don't always align with what God would want for us. And so we are going to be talking about <coughs> um, um, Jonah and all of this. And, and I just think this is true, and this is going to be true. It's going to be true for, for you and for me and for everybody. I think our best life is going to be where God wants us, okay? And I would say that's true 100% of the time. Your best life is going to be the life that God wants. Your life is going to be, or your best life is going to be, where, where God would want. Now, I believe that God speaks to us through the stories and the situations and the verses and passages in the Bible. And when I say speaks to us, I mean there's going to be learning and growth and help and just kind of even in our souls, a soul feeding that's going to happen when he tells us these certain things. And a lot of the stories, that's why they're there. They're to help us to know God better, but they're also to help us to know ourselves better. And so we're going to be talking about Jonah. Y'all know the story, you know, about Jonah. We all kind of know the basic stuff of, about it. He's the guy who got swallowed by the big fish. And, and are you ready? It's a whale of a tail. Isn't that? You ready for that? Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the tryptophan's worn off a little bit for some of you. <laughs> but we think about, well, what in the world do I have to do? And what in common do I have with a guy who lived a couple thousand years ago and who had a whole different life and a whole different story than I would ever have. But all of a sudden we find, and this is what's true in the Bible, I find that a, a lot of times there's a lot of similarities, at least in the personality or the character, maybe not in the circumstances, but in the person, the character, the situation, and even the mindset here. Um, Jonah is a lot like us. God wants Jonah's life to make a difference. And I think the same is true for you and for me. Jonah wants to live life in control. I want to stay in control of my life. And that would be the same for what? For us as well. Jonah is stubborn and self-willed and said it's going to be my way or the highway. And all of a sudden I realize, you know, that's sometimes the same for me. And, and, and Jonah is, is hard-headed and pretty stubborn, and that's an awful lot like Kurt Vanderstelt, our youth pastor. I just think it's just like, like, like that, so. And um, finally, God has to detour Jonah before he, he deconstructs himself. And boy, that's true about it, God. And, and then finally, 
God is in a loving and relentless pursuit of Jonah. And I would say the same is so true for all of us. God is in a relentless, loving pursuit of you. And he will always be in that relentless, loving pursuit, no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been. So let's just simply kind of recap and review the, the message a little bit. It says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord. Okay, you got it? I mean, that's his story. That's his situation. And he'll stick to it. But it would be like God kind of saying to you or to me, your best life is going to be in Bakersfield, you know. And you said, I think not. I think my best life is going to be in Kauai, you know. And so, yeah, 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 you head off in that d d direction. <clears throat> but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked Jonah, what should we do to you in order to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. You know, just calm, and it's wow, you know, and it gets even more wow. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Okay, that's the, that's the main part of the story of Jonah, the one part we kind of were familiar with. A lot of side stuff that's going on, but actually this part of Jonah where we, we think about the fish and the whale or, or whatever it was, so I know we get all freaked out about that kind of stuff, and we ask all kinds of questions, and this is where a lot of people get stuck in the Bible. You know, they just get stuck. You know, is this even real? Is this even a real story? You know, come on, is it really even a real story? Um, was it a fish or was it a whale? How did he survive? Did Jonah ever eat sushi again? You know, I mean, those kinds of really penetrating stories. I mean, swallowed by a whale. I mean, really? You know, what is this, a Pinocchio thing? You know, what's, what's going on here? And this is why we sometimes will struggle with the Bible, and a lot of people just, you know, dismiss the whole thing outright, because how can this kind of stuff happen or ever even, even, even happen? And how do you deal with this one? You know? I mean, how do we even deal with this one? And my belief... Is, is this, and it's simply on the, based on the premise that a God who made the universe out of nothing and spoke existence into place, that God has already shown that he can do miracles, okay? That kind of a God has already shown that he can do miracles. So I have no intellectual problems with miracles. I just don't. I just don't. If he's God, and if he is by God, and by definition of what an all-supreme God is, is overall and all sovereign, then miracles are not an issue for him. And I also have no problem with God sustaining Jonah in a fish or whale. I don't know which it was, and the Hebrew is not clear on that one, so it can be either. And I also have no problem that if Jonah died in the belly of whatever that thing was, God could bring him back to life. Okay? I, I have no problem with any of those. Again, we're talking about, you know, God here. And if God is God, he can suspend the normal for the miraculous. And so I just don't have problems with miracles. <clears throat> not at all. And so to me, this is not a huge hurdle 
in believing this kind of a God, excuse me, or even believing the story. The biggest challenge I do have, however, is not how did God, how did, did God do the whale thing, but why God chose a guy like that in the first place, you know? Why did God even choose that guy? I mean, Jonah's doing everything he can to be as pig-headed and stubborn as he possibly could. And then the second question is, why did God choose any of us in the second place, you know? Because we're just as stubborn and pig-headed as, 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 as Jonah was. And why God loves and why God cares. And the biggest miracle to me is not that, that, that Jonah is in a big fish. The biggest miracle is that there's grace that's given to you and me. Okay? Grace is given to you and me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so in this whale or fish or whatever it is, um, um, we find Jonah. And, and, and a principle in life now kind of comes to us, and this really can relate to us. Moving forward with my life means God needs to get me where he needs me to be. Okay? Moving forward with my life may mean that God needs to get me backwards or sideways to where he really needs me to be. And again, sometimes that takes a backward movement, and that sometimes may take a lateral movement. But when I surrender my life to God, he will work in all kinds of ways to get me where he wants me to be, where he needs me to be. And it may be a real place, or it may be a headspace, or maybe even a situation in life, but God's going to get me there. In fact, when all settles down, I want God to get me there, and so do you, because we want to be aligned with God and his will. And God will work in the real situations of our life to get us there. God needed Jonah in a big fish for a thousand different reasons, to stop him, to slow him down, to show him how helpless he really is. And, and all of a sudden, a principle then begins to come out that's really true for all of our lives. Sometimes the last place I want to be is the first place I need to be. Okay? Isn't that kind of icky, but it's true? The last place I would want to be is maybe the first place I have to get to in order to be there. Jo Jonah's in the upper GI tract of some animal, and I can only imagine the first few seconds of the whole ordeal. Can you imagine that? Being sucked down by some big animal. And if you claustrophobic, if you claustrophobic, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I remember one time I had to crawl into our house to fix something, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and one of my kids wanted to help me on this one, and so he was maybe 10 at the time, and, and so you open that little side door, that little door on the side, you know, by the foundation, you know, and you got to kind of crawl in and, and go under all this kind of stuff. And I have a flashlight, and I'm shining it down there looking around. And I haven't crawled in yet, and, it's, and, and he asked me, well, what's it like under there? And I said, well, it's dark. It's narrow. You know, it's dirty. It's, it's damp. There's cobwebs. And you have to belly crawl, and it's really hard to get out. And then I said, you go first. <laughs> it's because, like, you get down there, and it's, it's a dark, damp place. And I'm just wondering what... What, what Jonah was feeling, but God puts Jonah in the perfect spot. How do I know? How do I know? Because for the first time in this whole story, the first time, Jonah now responds and reaches back to God. The first time. This is the, the perfect spot for Jonah. Not physically, 
but in every other way is the perfect spot. The last place he wanted to be is the best place he needed to be. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. It says this. He said this. Here he is praying. I called to you from the land of the dead. I sank down to the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. That's the part that gets to me. <laughs> Seaweed wrapped around my head, you know. I can't imagine that. But Jonah is in the perfect spot. He's in the per last place he wanted to be. The last place. But I think it's the best place, the first place, really the only place he needed to be. Remember in school learning about lowest common denominators? Remember that? Remember that? Going way, 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 way back. Um, the lowest common denominator is used in fractions, and it's something like the lowest thing that goes into everything, you know, apart from one. You know, it's the lowest thing that goes into everything. And those of you that are teachers, and God bless you for being teachers, you, you, you know it quite well. Um, but also sometimes we'll use the term um, like the lowest or the common ground we all have, you know, what we all have in common, you know, the, the, the very nature of that. And I really believe that God oftentimes has to get us down to the lowest common denominator in our lives in order for us to be able to respond sometimes to anything. Um, I have seen that God has to reduce us down to that in order to be able to start building us up again. Lowest common denominator in order to start building us up again. He brings us down to build us up. Here's one verse. The Bible says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Lowest common denominator, dead. We were all of us. All of us were, were dead. Another one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Again, lowest common denominator. We all have this in common, all of us. And God has to bring you and me to that point in our lives before we come to God to say, yeah, I, I can't do this on my own. I've sinned, I've screwed up, I've, I've, I've messed up. I'm the lowest common denominator, we're lost. Now, God doesn't leave us there, by the way. He never does. The Bible says God's so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And, 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 and sometimes our lowest common denominator or our being in the belly of, of a fish is when you come to the realization that I can't do life on my own. In fact, if you came to Christ, you came to that conclusion. I can't do this life on my own. I need God in my life. And Jonah, Jonah is the guy who had the self-directed life. I mean, I have a self-directed life. I'm going to be in charge of, of, of it all. And the God of the universe lovingly said to him, that won't work. You will self-destruct. So, in a sense, I don't think so, Jonah. I'm going to bring you to the lowest common denominator. Because you're too stubborn to get there yourself, I will do it. Because you don't understand self-surrender, so I will teach it to you. I'm going to do it my way. Jonah didn't feel like he had any real need for God.